good morning. We want to welcome you here this morning. Please stand with us, greet each other, and we're going to start with worship.
realize that Jesus is Lord, you will be saved and by glory glorified. Lord, any of those who have not accepted this gift of life did not make that choice to follow you and give their life to you. I pray that they will do that today. I know that just the benefits that we have in knowing you personally. Thank you, Father, for who you are. Good morning, friends. It's good to see you on a snowy morning. I, don't, I feel like many of you are as surprised by that as I am, all those on the news, but it doesn't feel like it's the season yet. Uh, a few things we want to make you aware of. Today's a great day. I'm very excited about today. Uh, Gary Wall is our guest speaker for today. I'm going to be introducing him uh, here after the offertory, but really excited to have him come and share. And uh, yeah, it's going to be a great morning few upcoming things just to remind you of, to make you aware of. Uh, first of all, leadership team, we're meeting tomorrow night. Uh, it's leadership team, not team leaders. Tomorrow night, we are going to meet at 8 o'clock, correct? And have the intro in chapters 1 uh, read out of the book. That'll be part of uh, that discussion. Also, uh, as we mentioned last week, the online giving platform is now uh, up and running. And so if you want to give online, particularly if you want to set up like automatic withdrawals on a monthly basis, you can either do that on the church website or you can download uh, the app for that. Um, there is uh, some information on the back table with some detailed instructions, or you can just call up Joni because she's awesome and she'll, she'll walk you through it. So um, it's now permissible during an offertory to pull out your cell phones, but only if you're giving money. So... Um, bit of 
of a culture change happening there. A reminder that this Wednesday is part of the Wednesday Night Live program. Uh, we're doing the Love Henderson event, and uh, really excited about that. There's some uh, just some different uh, events and different ways to to serve and bless our community. Those the the desire behind that is simply to tell our community in very practical ways. Hey, you know, we want to express God's love to you just uh, as an indicator of how God has loved us. And so trying to, to communicate a message to the community that uh, God is gracious and that we love them and that he loves them. So that's this Wednesday. Also, garage parties are coming up Halloween night. Halloween lands on a Wednesday night. So we will not be doing our traditional Wednesday night program. Uh, once again, the three churches are going to collaborate and uh, uh, be doing the garage parties and so if you're interested in hosting or helping out let me know uh, and we'll we'll uh, help get you set up for that mcc tanner some of you have helped out with this Uh, this is a long-standing tradition mcc tanner has been set up over at bethesda this year they could not to to um, find the volunteers that actually travel around with the trucks is quite a responsibility. You have to be certified several different ways. And they were unable to, to find those volunteers. And so they've really had to scale back um, the travel component and where all they meet and that kind of thing. So this year, MCC is not happening at Bethesda. And instead, they are inviting churches. They're going to do it at down in North Newton, Kansas. And so the details are in your bulletin on that, but just wanted to make you aware of that. Um, donations are still be taken uh, for the Schweitzer family. As some of you may have heard, um, their service dog was tragically killed by another dog here in town, and so there needed to be some fundraising for that. Um, accounts have been set up at both banks. Uh, I have not heard anything definitively, but estimates were that a service dog will run six to ten thousand, and so that's that's what they're looking at. It's higher. I'm getting a thumbs up, um, so we're talking higher than six. Any es- new estimates on number? 10 to 20. That stings. So be in prayer for them as well, too. Okay, I think that's it for now. Of course, there is other stuff uh, in the bulletin. Um, oh, yeah, rebranding. Should maybe mention that one. Uh, we continue in the rebranding process. Please continue just to pray for our church as a whole and for those volunteers that are working with that. Uh, this morning we met with a couple Sunday school classes. Next Sunday we're going to meet with the rest of the Sunday school classes. Today after the church service, um, Nicole and I think Becca, correct, are going to be hanging out in the family center with a pot of coffee. And so if you didn't get a chance to, to talk or share this Sunday or next Sunday, uh, they'd love to hear from you. This, we're not, this is not like a final vote or anything like that. We're just trying to have good communication. And, um, you know, we've been batting some ideas around. And so now I want to connect with you and um, get, some, get some of your ideas and thoughts and opinions. And I'm super excited to, to hear all of that feedback and, and what's been going on. We had a great time in our Sunday school class. It was really enjoyable. So, um, and those names are, some of those names and ideas are in your bulletin um, for you to look over. Let's have a word of prayer, and then we will uh, carry on in the service. Heavenly Father, you are a good and gracious God. Lord, we thank you that we get to be a part of community locally. 
Lord, we thank you that we get to be a part of this church. God, as we seek to uh, rebrand and rename, we ask for your wisdom, your counsel. We want to hear your voice on that, Lord. Lord, we pray for those in our community. We pray for Bridget Yoder as she travels to England to be with her mother. Pray that her mother would come to know you. We pray for Ken as he works through a recent diagnosis of cancer. Lord, we thank you for recovery. We, we thank you that Helen's knee is doing so well. Lord, thank you that we get to be a part of broader community. Part of the Mennonite brethren across the U.S. We thank you that Gary is here from the Pacific District. God, we pray for our other brothers and sisters, the Mennonite brethren churches around the U.S., that you would give them favor in their communities, that they would honor and worship you, that they would be faithful in proclaiming your gospel, that they would see growth and encouragement and unity. Lord, we thank you that we get to be part of a community internationally. Lord, we pray for our brothers and sisters around the world, those in MB churches, those in not, all those who worship you and love you. Lord, many are in locations of great freedom and abundance, and many are in places where there is no freedom, a very limited freedom, and they experience persecution on a daily basis. Give them strength, a sense of your presence, a sense that they are loved. God, thank you for another day of your grace, another day of your faithfulness. Love you, Lord.
Thank you, worship team. Uh, so this past weekend, I was in Nebraska City for the USMB National Board meetings. One of the ways that this church has uh, released me and blessed me to, to serve our broader MB community is to be part of our, our national board. And so what that means is that a couple times of the year, I get to meet with other uh, leaders and influencers from our denomination. And we uh, sit in a conference room for like 12 hours a day and we talk about stuff and drink coffee and then eat and then talk about stuff. And uh, it's actually really exciting. Um, and that's probably a nerd thing to say, but I'm okay with that. Uh, there's just some neat stuff that is happening in our conference around the U.S. And, I, you know, there's some bumps in the road too. But uh, overall, it's just it's really a neat thing. And continue to be thankful just for the men and women that I get to serve with in that role and to be able to interact with them. I asked Josh to pull up the USMB website, and this is part of Gary's introduction, just so you understand kind of his role. So if you go to the, to the USMB website, um, this is the website that you'll find. Lots of good information right there on, on the opening page. But in the top left, you're going to see a little tab for USMB family, and then under, under, under that, you'll find district overview. So within the, the United States Mennonite Brethren, there are five different districts, and these are places where we have Mennonite Brethren churches in the U.S., and each of them are grouped together in districts, and they, you know, kind of serve together as a local team and support one another and cheer for one another and encourage one another and have a district pastor. Over on the east, you'll see the North Carolina district. There's a few churches there in North Carolina and Virginia. Um, if I understand correctly, I, I believe this church did a missions trip out there several years back, um, at one, quite a few years ago, I think, but um, that had taken place. Uh, we are part of the Central District, 34 churches in our district, Montana, North Dakota, all the way over to Indiana. Cent it's kind of confusing because we're the Central District, but we're the Northern District. But back when the U.S. and the Canadian Conference were combined, then we were the central district because the Canadian conferences were the northern district. But then we split into two groups, but we never changed our name. So we are the central district located in the northern district. There you go. Also, our southern district is really almost the central district. Uh, another group of churches there, too. And then our southern district is actually the LAM conference, the Latin American MB conference. There's a cluster of churches right down there in Texas, right kind of along the border between Texas and Mexico. And Gary serves over with the Pacific District. There's 110 churches in that area. Over half of the U.S. Uh, MB churches are in his region. He serves as the, the district minister there, has been doing that for, was it 15? 16 years. And uh, Gary is one of the gentlemen that, that I get to interact with at these meetings and I just uh, really appreciate his wisdom, his insight, uh, him as a friend. And so when it was announced that, that we were having our meetings just in Nebraska City, city I thought, I've I got to get one of these guys to come preach because um, this is just too good of, of an opportunity. Um, these are good brothers and sisters in Christ. And you know what affects these other churches affects us. So we want to weep with those that weep. We, we want to laugh with, with those that laugh. We want to understand what's going on in their region. I mean, we are part of the, the same family and community, and of course, we're part of the broader family. I mean, the, the broader family of Christ, but this is, um, uh, you know, this is kind of our denominational family. And so, and I would also add Greenhouse Church, 
Jason and Nicole Queering, they are in the Pacific District. They are under Gary's care, and so there's kind of a neat connection there. So, Gary, if you would come forward, uh, I want to pray for you, sir, and then the morning's yours, and um, I very loosely told him he could say whatever he wants to say for as long as he wants to say it. So uh, we're both hoping it's going to be good. So, um, But let me pray for you, sir, and uh, morning's yours. Lord, thank you so much for the opportunity to get to know Gary. Lord, thank you for his wisdom, his service, his love of you. Lord, as he prepares to share with us this morning, just ask your blessing and your anointing on him, uh, that every word would be a word from you. God, we ask uh, protection and a blessing on him, his family, his ministry, his travels, as he gets ready to uh, head home this afternoon. And uh, thank you for the privilege of having him here this morning. Amen. 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 Well, good morning, church. So good to be with you. Alden and Laverna, thank you for your kind hospitality. So good. I got the tour of Henderson yesterday and appreciate uh, how graciously you've hosted me. Uh, It's been great to get to know Luke in these meetings that he mentioned, and he's a great contributor there, and thanks for releasing him to serve in that way. I arrived in Nebraska on Tuesday, so thanks for allowing me to experience all four seasons in the last five days. That's just been terrific. I've been texting back and forth with uh, with Jason Quaring, and so uh, he and I have had some fun since I was over there. I sent him some, some childhood pictures of himself, <laughs> and, and so we've had some fun with that. But he sends his greetings. He and Nicole send their greetings to you and wanted me to be sure and say hello to you. And I just want to say on behalf of a member of their their lead team, uh, thank you so much for your partnership in this in this venture in Salt Lake City in Utah. Uh, Your partnership has been so significant. I know you've sent teams there. I know you've invested resources there and we couldn't have done it without you. So thank you so much for uh, for your partnership in the gospel in that very, very needy part of our nation. It's been very, very good to get to know the Queerings and to be partners together with them. Amen. You are part of a very, very rich and full and diverse family by being part of United States Conference of Mennonite Brethren Churches. So this is a real honor for me to come and to and to paint a bit a bit of a picture. That's my assignment today, is to open God's word together with you and and to and to look at the scriptures as you always do here, uh, because this is the this is this is our core and our foundation. We are people of the book. I don't know if you know this, but uh, but our our family of churches began as a renewal movement about 160 years ago. Some families got together and they started home Bible studies. And when they started searching the scriptures, uh, the Holy Spirit moved among them and revival broke out. And they started to, uh, they started to worship deeply and they, their faith grew deep. And they started to take, take this word seriously and take Jesus' teaching seriously. And And so uh, several things happened. They started calling each other brother and sister. So if you've ever wondered where this brethren thing came from, it was actually kind of a a disparaging thing that they 
that they were called, that, oh, those are the people that call each other brother and sister over there. And that's where the brethren thing stuck. But family was important. We are part of the family of God. And that's why our relationships matter so much and we call each other brother and sister. This this book, the Word of God, this matters. And the teaching of Jesus, when Jesus says something and when He models something for us, we take Him seriously. And that's been an important part of our movement for 160 years. And the other part is mission. And that's what we're going to focus on today. Um, my dad has been with Jesus now for, for seven years. And I did my best to listen to my dad through the years. Uh, not everything he said, but especially when it became clear that he was nearing the end. I paid particular attention to this man of few words. And, uh, and dad said two things that will be with me until I breathe my last. He said, God's been good to our family. Now, our families is as dysfunctional as yours. So make no mistake, our family is far from perfect. But, but dad recognized that God had been faithful to our family. And he wanted to reflect on that. He wanted to give thanks to God for God's goodness to our family. And the other thing dad said was, well, I'm nearing the end and I'm going to trust the one I've trusted my whole life, even now at the end. So those are just etched in my memory forever. So Jesus' disciples, after the resurrection, one of the last things Jesus said is recorded for us in Matthew 28. And I'll read. From verse 18, Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. If you've been around church for any length of time, you've heard these verses, haven't you? It's called the Great Commission. It's, it's Jesus' parting words of commission and command to his people. And they're as real today as they were for those disciples, those followers in the first century. He has all authority. And he commissions us, therefore, to go and make disciples. And not just to make disciples of those who look like us or, or act like us or speak the same language as us, but to Make disciples of the nations. And not just thinking of nations with boundaries like we have today, but all people groups, all language groups, people everywhere. We're to make disciples. We're to baptize them. And we're to teach people everywhere to obey everything Jesus commanded them. The Great Commission. Now, a part of our movement has been a missionary movement overseas, and that is an amazing God-sized story that we have Mennonite brethren worshiping in India today, and there are more of them than there are in all of North America. Same is true of Africa. 
More Mennonite brethren in Africa than, than the United States and Canada combined. Praise be to God that he's called us to be a missionary people. But part of the story that I, uh, I want to tell you today is how the Lord has opened doors for us to reach the nations right here in the United States, our neighbors right around us. So in the Pacific District Conference, about a third of our churches are English-speaking. About a third of our churches, about a third of those 110 churches, are Spanish-speaking. And the other third speak 10 other languages. And that is an amazing story. And so if a picture's worth a thousand words, hopefully, uh, Pastor, we will not go as long as these dear people fear I'm going to with the, uh, with the assignment you've given me. So let's put that first photo up there and if we can. And I want to tell you the story of, of how a third of our churches became Spanish-speaking. So that's, that's Arnold and Anna Schlichting. And I didn't even know he had a first name because everybody refers to him as Doc Schlichting. So Mennonite Brethren settled in these farming communities and out there in the Pacific District, that was largely in the, in the Reedley and Dinuba and Fresno area. And in the 1950s and 1960s, uh, Doc Schlichting, he's a chiropractor in Reedley, California. He had a growing burden for farm workers working, serving there in, there in the area. Our churches were mostly filled with, with white folks. But he had a burden and a heart for Spanish-speaking Mexican farm labor workers, and he wouldn't let it go. He said, this is, this is wrong for us not to minister to these people. This is wrong for us not to reach them with the good news of Jesus. Jesus loves them as much as he loves us. And even if we don't understand the language, and even if they're the ones who work in our fields and in our farms, we need to reach them. And almost single-handedly, Doc Schlichting started a movement in the Pacific District Conference. And he would go and he'd find Spanish-speaking people, and he would share the gospel with them, and they'd come to faith, and then he'd train up some to be leaders, and they, become, they became leaders of, of churches. And that movement just kept growing and growing and growing. And so we have a, what we call our Hispanic Council. It's made up of leaders and pastors. And now there are 38 Mennonite Brethren churches, part of your family in the Pacific District Conference. And they're Spanish. They continue to speak Spanish, most of them. Uh, many of these pastors are bilingual. They speak both English and Spanish. But they are an important part of our family of churches. And they're part of the, part of the Pacific District Conference. Isn't that great? Isn't that amazing story of, of how through, through one person's burden, one couple's burden, God could birth a movement. And now many, 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 many other churches have been planted. Now, I don't want to tell you, I don't want to leave you with the impression that, uh, that it's all smooth sailing all the time in the Pacific District in these relationships. 
Because it's not. We bump into each other. We have cultural differences. We have language differences. But we're committed to one another. Put that next picture up there if you would. This is a retreat uh, with our Spanish-speaking pastoral couples. They weren't all there, but they were there at a recent retreat. And these are my brothers and sisters in Christ, and I love them. I love them. They're my, they're my partners in ministry. They're my co-laborers. And, and they're my heroes. Like Doc Schlichting was my hero. They're my heroes because so many of them, almost all of them, are bivocational. They go to work five, six hours, uh, five, six days a week. They work 50, 60, 70 hours. And then they pastor a church as well. They're my heroes in the faith. We bump into each other. But we're absolutely committed to being the body of Christ together. And so every time we bump into each other, we say, let's keep going. And let's try harder. When the when the the tension gets high, it's like, oh, maybe we need to go our own ways, go our separate ways. And we say, no, no, no. We are one people. We are one family. We're one body of Christ. So at our district convention this last, uh, this last November, I brought the leader of our Hispanic council up onto the platform. And, and I read a, a very personal apology to him. It was my apology for unintentionally, but absolutely dismissing minimizing, not recognizing them, and not honoring them in in just some ways that we had interacted in recent years. And it was just such a such an amazing picture as we embraced at the end of that apology and and the doors that that has now opened for reconciliation as as we move forward in our relationship because we're absolutely committed to being the body of Christ together even when it's difficult. And challenging. In California, the 2000 census, not even the most recent one, but the 2000 census, um, 15 million people in California were, were Anglo white folks, and 14 million were Hispanic. And so this is, these are the nations coming to us. This is, uh, this is a people group, this is a language group that's right in our backyard among us. And they are deeply loved by God. And we're to reach them. We're to go and make disciples, not just overseas. Actually, the word, the word means as you are going. So wherever you land in life, wherever you happen to be, as you're going, as you're living, as you're being the people of God, make disciples. So we happen to have 14 million Hispanic folks who are living in our state, California. And we're there to make disciples. I want to read for you uh, from, uh, from Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians 2. One through five, as for you, 
You were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. I'm reading the wrong section. You're going to have to trust me that somewhere in Ephesians, it says that we are one body, one people, and the Lord has united us together. Somewhere, pastor, in Ephesians, it says that. (laughs) And we're committed to that. Um, Fast forward a little bit. In the 1980s and 90s, in our family of churches, something got started called Integrated Ministries. There was a a pastor named Loyal Funk who was given the assignment of helping immigrant groups coming to the United States to find a home. And he was very, very effective at this work. Very effective. And so I mentioned those other third, the other third of our family of churches speaking 10 other languages. The largest population of those are Slavic Russians. Uh, Most of them have settled in the Seattle, uh, the Portland, Sacramento area. But there are a couple in the Central District. There's one in the Southern District, I think, at least one. And, but most of those churches that we welcomed from the former Soviet Union are in the Pacific District Conference. Immigrants came to the United States after experiencing political upheaval in their own countries. And these are my brothers and sisters in Christ. Our largest church is not an English-speaking church. Our largest Mennonite Brethren Church in our family is not an English-speaking church. It's a Russian-speaking church in Tacoma, Washington. They're often quite conservative. They're very dedicated. They experienced the horrific conditions under communist, the communist regime in the former Soviet Union. These pastors, the older ones particularly, Many of them spent time in the gulag. And they were imprisoned because they were leaders of large churches and large movements of churches. And they were told to recant and to stop proclaiming the gospel. And they said they could not, and so they were imprisoned. When the opportunity came for them to come to the United States, they came as they were able, and they settled in in communities that I just mentioned. They're my brothers and sisters in Christ. They're my heroes in so many ways. And they're part of our they're part of our family. They're part of our Mennonite brethren family. An interesting an interesting part of this. So they came and they continued to uh, embrace their culture and their Russian their Russian culture and their Russian language. So these churches continue to continue to look like they did in the former Soviet Union, even though they're here in the United States. Now, what do you think their kids are experiencing? Their kids are as as Americanized as our kids, right? They speak English. They're part of the culture. and, And so it's a problem. Their kids are leaving the church as soon as they can. And and many of them are leaving in bad ways. Drugs, alcohol, and all kind of all kinds of wildness. 
to get away from that old model, that old church. Put that next picture up because this is kind of a this is kind of a neat story in the Pacific District Conference. So this was a child dedication at one of our newer church plants in Spokane, Washington. So you're a partner together with us in church planting. And uh, and this is a second generation Slavic outreach. So very English speaking. Their worship would feel like your worship here today. Um, everything's in English. And what they're doing is they're reaching they're reaching these kids who are boomeranging, boomeranging back to the church. So they left the old Russian-speaking church, and they went and did their wild thing, and they realized how empty that was, and they're coming back to church, but they don't want to necessarily come back and, and speak Russian. So we've planted a church. It's called Pacific Keep Church. The pastor is Boris Borisov. He's Russian. And they're raising their own. They're raising their own kids, and the next generation is going to experience the life of Jesus and life in the church because of our partnership in the gospel. It's complicated, isn't it? It's messy. Culture differences, language differences, all of that that brings tension. But we're absolutely committed to one another. We're committed to being the body of Christ together. I don't have a picture for this one, but I want to tell you about uh, our Ethiopian brothers and sisters. They are such warm and delightful people. In the 1970s, in Ethiopia, under a Marxist regime, the church was driven underground. Similar to the former Soviet Union, uh, it was illegal to... It was illegal to meet as a church, illegal to meet for Christians to meet together. So they would meet together in, in homes quietly, right, off the radar as much as they could. Because if you went public, you were imprisoned. And all my Ethiopian brothers and sisters can tell stories of a friend or a family member who was imprisoned or killed for being a follower of Jesus Christ. Well, they also were allowed to emigrate, many of them, to the United States, and we helped them to find a home with the Mennonite brethren. And they too, they too are my heroes. One of my favorite pastors, no, I don't have favorites, that's not true. One of the pastors I really enjoy having fellowship with is Pastor Tamarat in Sacramento. Uh, Pastor Tamarat is a, is a pastor, he's a preacher, but he's also a musician. So back there in Ethiopia, uh, under this Marxist regime, when the church was driven underground, he would record, he would take his guitar and he would record worship songs. And, uh, and they would record them on cassette tapes. If you're under 30 years old, you have to Google cassette tape later. And they would pass these around, the various house churches, house fellowships. And with the volume turned up just just enough to not attract a, attention to themselves, the church would gather and they would be encouraged and they would be built up and they'd say, we can go another week, can't we? We can go another day. We can hang in there. We can be the people of God. We cannot give up. And so my dear pastor friend, Pastor Tamarat, there in Sacramento, 
with his worship music, encouraged the church to be faithful. And they're part of our family. They're your family members. It's an amazing, amazing story what God has done. Last one. Put that picture up with Punkau and some other guy. So that's Punkau. Maybe you've heard the story of Punkau reaching out to the Kamu people in Thailand and Laos. Amazing God-sized story. There are 40 to 50,000 Mennonite brethren, followers of Jesus in Southeast Asia now, largely due to the ministry of Punkau. They're our next developing international conference, so we're all divided up into conferences, the United States Conference, the Canadian Conference. Well, now we've got the Camus Conference emerging in Thailand. Bunkau, uh, not everybody knows this, was on the staff at Butler Church in southeast Fresno, California, doing outreach with, with Southeast Asians there in that part of our world. Our neighbors right there. Yeah, Fresno Pacific University and our seminary and Butler Church right there. And that's where Punkau was, was serving, ministering. A little congregation, part of a multicultural church. The Butler Church story is amazing. I don't have time to tell you the whole story. One church, four congregations. I guess I do have time to tell the story. One English speak, uh, uh, no. One, uh, two English speaking, one traditional worship. One contemporary worship. Southeast Asian, originally led by Punkau, and Spanish-speaking. One church, one treasury, four congregations. Every quarter they gather together and they have one joint worship service. It is glorious, God-honoring chaos. Singing other people's songs in their language and their own cultural expression, but it's a picture of heaven, friends, I got to tell you. It's a little taste of what it's going to be like. Every nation, tribe, and tongue gathered around the throne. Can you wrap your mind around that? And here in this one church, they're trying to reflect their local community. One church, one treasury, one congregation gives the majority of the resources, but they're committed to being together as that family. Well, that's where Punkau started, but God God called him to go back to Southeast Asia and he didn't want to go back because he had been tortured over there after the Vietnam War. But he was obedient to God's call and he went and because of, largely because of his obedience and the movement of God, a movement that only God could orchestrate, the power of God is reaching people in Southeast Asia, for his glory. They're part of our family. They're our Mennonite brethren family. And I'm so grateful. I'm so grateful to be in in ministry together with them. Why do we keep working at this mission thing? Why do we keep working at this nationally, locally, nationally, and globally? MB Mission is becoming Multiply. MB Mission is embracing North America as a mission field. And I say yes and amen. We do not neglect the nations of the world. We do not neglect what's overseas across oceans. Absolutely not. 
But we must recognize that the nations have come to us. And we have a responsibility. We have a mandate to make disciples as we are going. To be God's people, to teach them to obey, and to reach out in love as Jesus calls us to. Why do we work at it when it would be so much easier to gather with those who who look more like us? We do it because of God's love for all people. God's love for all people. For every nation, tribe, and tongue. And if God loves them, if God sent his son Jesus for all of humanity, for the whole world, then that's our mandate too. And so we're committed in the Pacific District Conference in our national family as well to healthy relationships, strong relationships, and partnership together in advancing the kingdom of God. Is it easy? It is far from easy, friends. Would it be easier to go our own way? It would be. But you hold me to this. We can't do that. Because we need to to reflect the beauty of God's great kingdom. Um, Pastor, I was praying about this and, and... Here's what I'm going to do. And, uh, boy, I hope I don't upset things here at, here at Henderson MB. But would you pray? Would you pray about an opportunity you might have to reach some other language or cultural group that's nearby? I understand Henderson is its own community and has its own demographics and all that. But I understand there's a neighboring community where there are lots of Hispanics. I just wonder, Pastor, I wonder whether there's an opportunity. If there's enough churches there that are reaching and effective, that's, that's great. Maybe you could partner with one. When it, maybe you develop some relationships with, with some Spanish-speaking pastors over there, some Hispanic pastors. Maybe it begins with a little pastor cluster. I'm not sure. Maybe, just maybe, uh, Henderson MB, or whatever the name is going to be. Uh, uh, sorry. Uh, maybe Henderson MB develops a relationship with some other uh, some other language group, a body of believers somewhere, and you develop a, a little friendship and, and partnership together. Maybe you, maybe you get together every now and then and you share a meal together. It's Maybe it's tacos sometimes and it's Veronica some other time. Maybe, just maybe, uh, the Lord wants you to to discover uh, some others in your broader community. And the Lord would want would to bring you together for his glory, an expression of the richness of the body of Christ and how expansive his kingdom is. Uh, we aren't do it, doing it perfectly in the Pacific District Conference. I don't want to leave you with that impression. Please pray for us. Because the enemy comes to steal and kill and destroy. The enemy comes to divide. And every opportunity the enemy can have to divide us, he will. But Jesus came to unite us together as one people, as one family. We are one. 
We are one together. Join, join in praying. Lord Jesus, would you show us an open door? Would you show us an opportunity where we can partner together for your glory, for the advance of your kingdom? It's been so good to be with you. Thanks so much for, for your uh, kind invitation. They'll be talking about me in the coffee shops all week. Who was that strange guy out there in the blue shirt taking pictures with his phone of a church out in the snow? That was just something. We've never seen anything quite like that. But thanks for welcoming the guy from California. You've been so kind and so gracious. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you for your church. Thank you for the rich history of Henderson, MD. Thank you for their story of, of faithfulness to you, of being faithful to the gospel, being faithful in mission, in supporting ministry around the world, and so grateful for, for this congregation. Thank you for our, for our family here in the United States. Thank you for all of our diversity and help us to be one to reflect the beauty of the body of Christ. Thank you for what you're doing around the world through, uh, through our small little movement. But God, you're doing amazing things because you're a great big God. Because of the power of the gospel, you're advancing your kingdom and we get to be a small part of it. Such a privilege, Lord Jesus. So I pray that, that for Henderson Envy, you would give them open doors of opportunity to make disciples of the nations, even nearby. What that looks like, Lord, we don't know. But I pray for a spirit of openness and humility and a desire to be your people, where you've placed us as we're going. Help us to be faithful. In the strong and mighty name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Amen. Please stand with us. There's a scripture that says, Perfect love casts out fear. When we're in Jesus, He is perfect love.